Hello patrons and welcome to episode 13 of Minis and Movies. I'm your host John Spencer and I want to thank you for tuning in and thank you for continuing to uh, be patrons of our main uh, podcast, More Than Dice. I really appreciate it and it really helps us uh, keep the lights on and keeps us in all the proper technology. We can continue to bring you all sorts of fun podcasts like this. Uh, today I'm going to be talking about turn two of my Armada campaign. We just finished that up. I'm going to talk about giving games a chance and checking them out. And then in the movie part, I'm going to talk about, as promised, Triple X, the original. Uh, Ron. All right, so uh, I'm not drinking today because it's Easter uh, morning, and I'm not going to drink for driving to the family for Easter dinner. That would be crazy talk. So let's talk about Armada Turn 2. Um, so as I said last time, my Turn 1 went very well since I uh, crushed Not Brush Head Dave pretty well. Uh, 400 to 200 and change, but he had no ships on the board, so it didn't really matter what the points were because I auto won. Uh, he had a hard time repairing stuff. Um, I had literally, I had to spend maybe seven more points. Well, I spent seven points out of my uh, additional points, uh, resource points, uh, to repair a couple fighters. I left one scarred because uh, the headhunters are not really worth fixing because... Since they are odd points, you round up, so if I just let them die, I can buy them back. And technically, as long as I'm using all my repair points, I'm saving points in general. So it's a good idea to do that, if possible. Um, also, I wasn't really sure when to keep them. Uh, they're good for the general build, but I think in this, I may do better by letting them die off and replace them with different fighters that are better. Uh, better at holding on and better at uh, tying shit up. So I'm contemplating that. But I fixed everything. My Pelta ended up being veteran. And my uh, MC-75 ended up being veteran. And so did the Ghost. Um, uh, Paul had a bad time, but he uh, he fixed important stuff and got through it okay. Dave fixed important stuff. Got through okay. Marshall fixed most of the stuff. Had one ship left scarred, but it was okay. Uh, this time, I took a bold move and attacked Corellia, so uh, Marshall decided to defend. He had an extra uh, 40 points of fighters, and uh, so we went at it. Uh, Paul and uh, David played before us, and they'd had a very short game because they were both going really fast at one pass. Uh, Dave couldn't make a turn. Paul got lucky and blew up one of his ships, or his, uh, his flotilla of Gozantes. And then fighter-wise, Paul lost more than Dave, but uh, the ship going off the board made up for it. And they realized they weren't going to re-engage for several turns. They might have one turn of fire. It was getting late in the store, so they called it with Paul winning. And then uh, we got to my... They took very minimal losses, were easily able to repair everything that was repairable. Paul lost a bunch of fighters, but it happened. Um, uh, my game versus Marshall, uh, we had it. I'm going to go through some highlights. Um, he did a good job early of tempting out uh, one of my E-Wings and blowing it up with uh, one of his fighters. Uh, I didn't think he could get that far forward, but he did blew me up, and it was unfortunate because I lost that fighter. And it, uh, I'll be honest, that makes a hell of a difference. I think that fighter being there would have actually changed the entire game. Spoilers. Uh, he also got one of my, uh, bought both of the A-Wing uh, unique pilots, and he got one of them just straight up. The first time he's like, here's three damage, and you can't use your... Uh, uh, he got one damage on it, the next time he got two damage and you can't use your tokens, so I took two, I had one left. And the next time he's like, I got a damage and you can't use your uh, scatter token, so he was dead. 
Um, luck happens. Blue Dice really like Marshall, so that happened. That would have helped a little bit, too. Um, I was a little too bold with him, too. I should have stayed back. Um, honestly, it turns out that I didn't think Marshall's fighters could do as much as they could do, but he has all the best fighters. The ones that are all probably really good for their points. Which are the ones he loves anyways? Because most of the scum guys, so, I mean, they do pretty well. Other highlights is, um, I definitely outmaneuvered him ship-wise for the most part, but we ended a turn where, uh, we had one turn where he literally had to just come into my guns. Uh, that turn went, it went pretty good for me. The next turn, though, we were at that thing where it's like, six and one of those or the other, um, I chose to fire a certain ship, blowing up one of his, which was good, um, but left another ship okay. Uh, there's just, I don't think there is any way of getting that through. I mean, I think if I, I think there was a chip in a chair for me being able to operate, activate differently, but the way I did it was the best call, but I lost another ship in return. We're basically just trading ships. Um, I, uh, forgot on my Pelta to use one of my crew members, which reduces damage a lot, so that hurt me a bit, because it died exactly one turn. It would have been left with damage left and the ability to fire again, which would have been great for me. Um, which, considering I lost, forgot to use it several turns, I didn't have several left, plus I had a token I could have used to give it engineering and repaired some stuff. So literally, I, I could have done that better. That's my fault. Pissed me off a lot. Uh, on my big ship, it basically, between it and the hammerhead, it blew the crap out of his, uh, interdictor. The big ship literally just, when it got to a ship, it blew it up. I mean, it did some long-range fire on his, uh, one of his raiders and damn near crippled it, left it vulnerable to die the next turn. But it turns out just the extra 40 points of fighters and me losing two fighter squadrons quickly with almost nothing I could do back was no bueno. Um, could have probably activated fighters in a different way. Uh, he mentions I don't have any support for my fighters, which is true. I don't think I need it, but it's worth thinking about in the future. Um, the end result was he won. Uh, I killed 301 points. He killed at least 302. My math was a little sketchy. Uh, it's between... 305 and 310, something like that. Um, we were doing quick math because we were trying to hurry and get the game in because he was away at Adepticon, didn't get it. But overall, uh, it turned uh, twice in the last couple turns. His uh, fighters did manage to kill one of my hammerheads um, because it was in bad shape and I hadn't been choosing. I've been, I should have been choosing engineering repair and the crap out of whatever I could. Uh, and I just didn't. The, the big damage soaking fighters are too good against capital ships because they are harder to kill than capital ships. I mean, for fuck's sake, you should not have, like, Boba Fett be more difficult to kill than my fucking hammerhead. That's a little silly. But it is what it is. It's a rule of the game, and both sides have them. We just have to change our fighter allocation a little bit. Um, but those 40 points of fighters made a hell of a difference. Uh, if I'd attacked somewhere generically, I would have won that game pretty, pretty solidly because 40 less points of fighters is three squadrons that I mean, did stuff for him, which means I've got more fighters in better shape to do other stuff versus him. Um, but uh, me remembering my cards, I mean, remembering to keep, to use my reduced damage card means that the Pelta would have lasted longer and perhaps done more. I had a good chance of doing more um, than, uh, but yeah, last turn it turned again after he killed my Hammerhead the turn before um, when his, he activated his Raider, which was Scarred, and had almost no shields, and then literally one hit killed it, uh, but he got just out of red dice range for me. Then his flotilla was barely, just like absolutely barely within range of 
my uh, a black range, close range for my uh, MC75 profundity glass, and I blew it straight to hell. I'm like, it's just dead. So that was pretty good. Um, I feel like I can change some stuff. I got some good insight into what I can do, and it was a hell of a game. I mean, having fighters rule a game like this is is not fun, and I told them that. I mean, we need to they, they need to look at something about that because fighters should not rule a game like this. And I think in an effort to try and make fighters cool, they overstepped on several squadrons on both sides. We're just not using them on our rebel side right now because, <coughs> to be honest, we weren't really thinking about it. Um, but that's okay. Uh, again, it was a good game. Uh, you know, less the, he, he feels like it was a draw, but he was defender, so it doesn't matter. I didn't win, so draw goes to him. So we're even again. Um, I can repair just about everything. I can repair everything in my fleet. I have enough points to do that, and still have a couple points left over to buy some stuff. I may not repair the hammerheads because, or not hammerheads, the headhunters, because they're just not doing as much as I like. Um, but overall, you know, not super displeased. Uh, hopefully, we'll have a lower end game this week so I can actually do some more upgrading. I kind of want to try and find a good light ship to uh, just run around and do anti fighter. Uh, maybe anti-fighter and squadron commands, you know, so I would require a, uh, my least favorite ship, which is the Nebulon B, or maybe a flotilla, because it can just sit there and fire if it's dying, if it's not doing squadron commands, it can do firepower and get extra dice versus some sh fighters. I also have a trick up my sleeve that'll help with a lot of fighters, um, that'll help with, uh, certain fighters, especially, uh, Dave's fighters, because I'm playing Dave this week, and he has everything with counter, and... There's a character who gives you extra dice versus fighters with counter, and I feel like that could be good. So, I will consider that for my points. I got a little bit of time. I wouldn't. We won't play till Friday at the earliest. So I've got oh a good four days to think about that. But overall, good game. Uh, we're still even two two. So, fun there. Uh, Ron. Oh, water. All right. Well, second part. I'm going to talk about giving games a chance. So we're all opinionated human beings, and a game comes out, and sometimes we just don't give it a chance. We're like, nope, screw that, I don't like that, I ain't playing it. And we never really give it a chance. With the new, shall you say, shall we say uh, format of so many games having free rules available online, like, you know, Legion's free online, uh, I know, I think both 40k and Fantasy, or sorry, Age of Sigmar, are free online, Infinity has free rules online, War Machine rules are free online, um, you might be able to get Malifaux rules free online, if not, there's are at least cheap in a starter box. With so many miniature games and all having free rules online, and also, even if you can't find them free, there's so much on YouTube, people showing you how to play a game. Um, I've watched channels and learned to play Shadespire and stuff, because I discounted it because it was really, uh, really thrown out there as a really competitive game. I'm like, I don't like really competitive. And what it really means is actually it's really more of a quick, balanced game. I don't know if competitive is the right word. It's not like cutthroat or anything like that. It's just tight and quick. And that's what I'm talking about. Stuff like that. Giving it a chance. Watch, looking at the rules. Watching some Let's Plays. Just getting an idea. Especially for a small game like Shadespire where you're like, you know, you need like technically if you want to play Sigmarites, you need 60 bucks for the box and you're done and you've got another game another gang another gang <laughs> like Necromunda now another warband to fight against if someone needs to learn uh, there's a Kutramal for it if you want you can buy the sleeves for your cards they're cool I would probably buy them the dice for your particular dudes they're cool and there's a bunch of other uh, warbands out there for you to buy so I mean it's a really easily expandable game that I'm very much looking into 
In fact, if I hadn't uh, purchased Forgebane recently, and a large lot of used miniatures that was too good of a deal to pass up, I would have bought it already, but I'm considering it. Um, and I think you got to do that. you got to give games a fair shot. Like, we locally, and in, in a lot of uh, larger circles, we diss the crap out of Age of Sigmar. And, you know, my buddy would always like, well, it's fun. I'm like, well, you know, fun is where a game starts. If a game has only got fun going for it, then why not play another game that is also fun and has something else going for it? So I decided, and the, the locals started playing it. I'm not going to play it as the rules stand now, because I have stopped. I've read the rules. The rules are mediocre. Um, they're not bad. I don't want to say they're bad. Um, they're mediocre. They're not great. They're not terrible. They need some fixing. But I hear in the summer there will be a new edition. Then I will take a look at it. I will read the rules. I will consider it, because I have friends who play it. And uh, I don't say necessarily you look at every miniatures game. Like, let's say Relic Knights 2.0 comes out. If you're not into Relic Knights and you don't have anyone locally playing it, you don't need to check it out. It's not important. As a matter of fact, I would say it would be a poor idea to check it out because um, you get no one to play. But if it comes out and you've got guys locally playing it, you should check out the rules, see if it's something you like, uh, especially if the model is something you like. Like, I wouldn't check out the rules for Age of Sigmar if I didn't, I mean, I'm an orc guy deep at heart. I won't play orcs in that, I don't think, but I'm an orc guy deep at heart, so they always have a soft spot. Um... Uh, I like the Caradron Overlords I talked about months ago, I think, on an old uh, Coe's Corner, actually. I could find it in my notes in front of me, but I don't feel like it. Uh, but yeah, Caradron Overlords were basically steampunk dwarves. Well, the basic models are not really grabbing me. Man, their big airship things are super awesome. And since it's not a game that's about, I don't want to say balance, it's not about structure of army building for the most part, I could just take a whole crapload of those and have a good time. So, you know, I'll take a look at new rules when they come out. I also am kind of a fan of the Sigmarite faction. Um, they look like they're easy to paint, but look very cool when painted moderately, honestly. A little bit metallic, and then, you know, a, a supplement color, and they look really good. In fact, I like looking at those. And a lot of the big stuff, like the, a lot of the models in Sigmar, they are really sitting our stride. The new Sea Elves, I forget what they're called. Awesome. The, the the new Daughters of Cain. Really cool. Um, just doing a lot of cool stuff with it. So, you know, it's on my radar. Take a look. Um, and I feel like that's something we do too often. We go, I don't want to play that game. You don't even look at it. Like, I have people who are like, oh, I don't want to play another Fantasy of Light uh, game, so I'm not going to look at Legion. Well, maybe you should look at Star Wars Legion. Maybe the rules are something you like. Maybe there's something cool there that uh, you can get it behind. I think it looks cool. I mean, it's Star Wars. I'm down. Uh, it appears my group will be playing it, so I will be purchasing some as soon as I get the opportunity. I uh, will be playing Rebels because that's what I do. But you got to give it a chance, you know. You got to take a game, give it a chance, look at the rules. Like I wasn't given 40k a chance, ah, uh, 40k, blah blah blah. Then the guys were playing it. I came into a deal to get some stuff to start, so I'm like, you know. And there was a slow grow league. Like, oh yeah, I'll take a look at the rules. And anytime if there is a slow grow league and you can get into a game and someone will loan you models to play with, or something like that, where you don't have to purchase anything, jump in that league. Learn to play, see if you like it. Reading the rules, cool. Learning to play and actually playing games, it might just turn out like, sure, I could play game Age, Age of Sigmar, maybe I'll steal Chris's models, and it may be something that I turn out I like. I'm looking at it, I don't think it is. It, it has a lot of flaws in it, and it the flaws are things that really bug me. So, I don't think I'll be playing it, 
But then again, like I said, new edition coming out. I'll give it a fair chance. And I feel like if your friends are playing it, uh, I broke a record right now, give it a fair chance. And that's all I'm saying uh, for most games, you know. Yeah, just keep approach it with a somewhat open mind, as open a mind as you can. See if maybe you can play a, a demo game, intro game with somebody who's got it. <clears throat> just trying to see if maybe it is a game you want to play. Uh, check out some videos on YouTube. Watch the guys play it. Watch several games. Because what looks unbalanced as crap one game may not be unbalanced as crap the next game. You know, there's ebb and flow to games, and I've seen uh, a lot of back and forth. There's some stuff that's bullshit. There's some stuff that's cool. Uh, they potentially have some rules fixes in the update, because really Age of Sigmar is like proto 40k 8th edition. So they're not making a new edition. They're just doing a rules update, which is good. You don't have to make it a whole new edition, like, but you need to... Uh, they need to do something with the rules to make it uh, make it the better, make it more balanced, make it a better game. It's really sort of a nebulous and uh, very personal thing if a game is better or a game is good or bad. But I think from strictly dispassionate looking at it outside in, it, it's got some potential, but it needs some work to be what I would consider a better game and a game really worth considering and playing. So that's my rant on that. Uh, basically sum up, give shit a try. Run. All right, well, let's finish this out with Triple X, the first one. Uh, so, this is really built as a new breed of superhero and all that stuff. Uh, a secret agent, sorry. Gosh. And uh, uh, it, and they had, like, the Death of, Tuxedo, Death of the Tuxedo is the first, the first uh, chapter of that, where the regular secret agent gets uh, killed because he's a tuxedo, he stands out, and... Uh, you know, they can tell him a mile away, they can smell the training on him and all stuff like that. So you're like, okay, that's uh, that's fine. There's no problem with that. But then, having watched a uh, <laughs> watched a James Bond movie recently, it really is just a fucking James Bond movie. I mean, I'm not going to lie. It is beat for beat a James Bond movie. Just instead of the English, let's say, sophistication or style that's in it, Instead, it's got American attitude when, you know, main character is a extreme sports star. So, let's go through the... We'll, we'll go through the whole uh, the whole plot of it. Um, in case you had, don't know, because the movie is significantly old. Uh, it's old enough that I owned it on VHS, and now I own it on uh, DVD. Because um, I bought it before Blu-rays came out. And, honestly, you... Uh, it's on Amazon Prime for free now, where I wouldn't have reviewed it. Uh, yeah, 2002 movie. It's got uh, medium-high reviews. You know, uh, about a 6 on uh, Met on IMDb. <clears throat> Moderate on Metacritic, 48. It's not surprising. Uh, directed by Rob Cohen, who has done a bunch of other movies you've heard of. Like, uh, God, he did Dragonheart, Stealth, Daylight, the third Mummy movie. Uh, he also... Uh, what else did he do here? Let's see. That... Director, he's done 26 movies. Uh, or 26 things. Uh, yeah, Dragonheart Daylight, The Fast and the Furious, forgot about that. Um, that's not a lot recently, but, uh, so I mean, if you look at his movies, Fast and the Furious, the first one, enjoyable, not great. Triple uh, X, spoiler, enjoyable, probably better than Fast and the Furious overall. Stealth, enjoyable, not great. Mummy of the Tome of the Dragon, D Tome of the Dragon Emperor, enjoyable, not great. Um, Alex Cross from 2012 apparently was not good. Uh, Dragonheart was enjoyable, but also not great. And Daylight with, uh, Stallone was enjoyable and not, but not great. So I think that's pretty much what I expect from him. Enjoyable, but not great. And 
triple X uh, delivers. The whole idea is Xander Cage is a uh, extreme sports uh, athlete who uh, does all sorts of crazy stunts. It starts off him stealing a uh, Corvette from a, well, hit the nail on the head, the kind of uh, senator we hate nowadays. They want to ban rap music, wants to take all video games off the shelf, uh, and jumps it off a uh, cliff uh, just to make a point to him and sell stunts. Stunts as he jumps it off, he's in it, and he, you know, basically base jumps out of the back of a fucking Corvette. Uh, it, it's a really cool stunt. They show it from lots of different uh, angles, so that's kind of cool. Uh, uh, and he gets recruited into uh, the NSA because he's, you know, he can he can infiltrate this uh, this enemy group because you know he's their kind of dude. So that's kind of cool, you know. It goes in, and of course, you know, he gets in with them well because he's their kind of dude. Uh, I feel like they could have run it like maybe he betrayed the America for that, but they never really run it that way. It's it's what. <laughs> Once the opening's over and he gets recruited, which is not usually in a James Bond movie, it follows pretty James Bond standard. Uh, Yorgi, the the main bad guy, the head of the bad guys, he's a standard Bond villain. Um, you know, Toby Lee Shavers, uh, played by Michael Roof, was unfortunately passed. Uh, he committed suicide. Uh, he played. He's basically his Q. Samuel Jackson playing Gibbons is basically his M. Uh, Asia Argento playing Elena is basically the Bond girl. And then uh, Kirill is basically the the heavy, the uh, the odd job type uh, dude, but he's just sort of a sniper. So it's a little less, God, I can't believe I'm saying this, a little less crazy than Bond movies were at the time. This is pre-Casino Royale. Um, um, most of these stunts are reasonably, reasonably? R- reasonably realistic, let's say. Um, that's a reasonably unique. Uh, most of the, the CGI is reasonably good. Um, yeah, it's a pretty fun movie, uh, enjoyable. It once it starts, it goes fast enough that you're generally not uh, not stopping to think about stuff. In fact, if I hadn't seen it so many times and had a chance, I wouldn't have really realized that it was literally a Bond movie with a end of the world type of thing. He's not really thinking it through. He's he's a crazy supervillain. So, but overall, you know, it's pretty enjoyable. Good stunts, uh, some solid action scenes, occasionally. It's got some stuff that's a little much, let's say. A little much? Yeah, probably. A little much where you're like, oh, that was probably not perfect. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's very enjoyable, uh, fun to watch. Uh, I definitely like it. I don't regret owning it. It's very cool to have, uh, very cool to, to, to have a, a fun kind of movie like this. Um, uh, one thing I always bring up when I talk about this movie is... Uh, unfortunately, a stuntman, uh, Harry O'Connor, was killed w- in filming this movie. Um, they're filming a second t- take of uh, the ending stunt, uh, where uh, he's got to basically uh, sort of parasail, repel into the on top of the uh, the bad guy's doomsday device to take it out. And in the second attempt, apparently, he was killed hitting hit one of the pillars of a bridge, and. Uh, Apparently they're trying to get another better version because the first one went perfectly and he lived but uh, through that, but uh, passed the second one, which is too bad. I hate seeing that. Uh, but anyways, it's a good time. Uh, I don't know what more else I can say about it. Uh, I could spoil the crap out of it, but it's not really necessary. It's a fun movie. You should probably watch it. Uh, if you like action fare, it's pretty good standard action fare. It is one and a half to two shots of Kraken. Uh, if you forced me to do it, I would say it is... I would say it's one and a half shots of crack, and it's it's uh, there's a lot of two shot crack and stuff. I think worse. Most of the rest of these movies are about two shots of crack, and this one is better than the other ones. It's just tighter, quicker, v- 
very much uh, a bit more enjoyable. It doesn't have the same uh, same crazy, you know, sequel stuff to try and make it bigger and better than the two sequels that I've already reviewed have. But uh, enjoyable. Give it a watch. And I'm currently looking and deciding what we're going to talk about next week. Sorry, in two weeks. Um, I'm checking here. So I'm torn, just to give you guys some of my thought process. I'm on Amazon Prime, uh, and I'm sticking to Amazon Prime right now because I don't get as much Netflix time. Um, I'm torn between watching The Octagon, a Chuck Norris classic, or something a bit more definitely good. Tell you what, The Octagon is not a terribly long movie. It's under two hours, so we're going to watch The Octagon next time. So if you're on Amazon Prime, check that out, and we'll talk about that uh, next time. And if you guys have any comments or questions or anything you want to talk to me about, feel free to hit me up uh, on Twitter. I'm at John O. Spencer. On Facebook, John Oakland Spencer, or you can hit me up through the More Than Dice page. Um, or if you want to email me directly, it's John Oakland Spencer at Yahoo.com. Again, thank you all for listening. Thank you all for supporting us. Happy Easter. Ron.